check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. Packed episode today. We'll talk about the wins against Georgetown and Butler. We'll talk about the loss against Villanova. And then we'll look ahead to the UConn and Xavier matchups. We also have an interview with Ron Movica in this episode. Guys, a lot going on in our St. John's world, but a lot going on in the whole world in general. What are you guys up to? Olympics all day, every day. Love the Olympics. Uh, love the Olympics. I mean, I, summer, winter, it doesn't matter. I just love it. I, I love that there's live events on literally all night long. Great for an insomniac like me. Um, you can literally plus, watch until 4 o'clock in the spectacular. morning. Spectacular. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, What's your top sport? I mean, I love curling. I could watch curling like yeah. literally every single day. I, I, I love it so much. I was a big so fan much. of snowboard cross and, and ski oh, cross, yeah. which is also new. That uh, I think it was new last Olympics, but it's yeah. awesome. The four, like the the trials are a little boring because there's just one person on a course, but like once they get to the race and it's like four people on a course, it, it's pretty epic. Spectacular. Yeah. I always love skeletoning. It's, yeah, it's wild. Skeletoning is, is crazy. It's Doing head first. Woo. It's very <laughs> yeah. bold. I'm more of a, I'm more of a like a snowboard half pipe kind of guy, you know what I mean? I, that's, I snowboard that's myself, so you know I like to imagine that that's what it's like every that's time. That's Chloe snowboard. Kim killed it. I mean, killed yeah. it. She's killed it. it. Absolutely. It's it's really interesting this year with the uh, the half pipe because all this fake snow is like gliding on all ice. The events. On all the events, it's well, like right. well, specifically for the half pipe, everyone's getting so much extra air because yeah. it's straight up ice. Yeah, for yeah them. it's funny. I, I was I was listening to obviously watching the olympics and they talked about how now i'm a guy who grew up obviously i grew up in new jersey i learned to snowboard in new jersey just like nick did just like you guys have yes in what they talked about how actually snowboarders and skiers on the on the in the northeast have an advantage here because they learned most people learn to snowboard and ski on fake snow whereas the rest of the world the vermont the colorados the other countries in the world didn't They, they they learned on real snow right so it, there's a difference because snow in the Northeast, when it's fake and, it, and it's man-made, basically becomes like ice and it's it's concrete and it's hard to get on. Uh, so they 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 said like, if you're skiing downhill, like normally it doesn't matter, right? Real snow, it, it, you know, you're used to it, whether it's in China or it's in Russia or it's in the United States. But if you have never skied on fake snow, and now you're doing it in the in the alpine skiing event, you can have a legitimate issue. Which I thought was interesting because I was like, bro, this is what I learned on. Like, what do you mean? This is no problem. Yeah. It, it, it sucks when you fall. It hurts. But that's really the only difference. Yeah. Whereas if you've skied your whole life on this, that, that could be a legitimate issue. As, as we've seen three women skiers on the same yeah. turn get blown up onto that and, wall. And not only that, when, when they had the uh, when they were doing the race, the the slalom races on the snowboard, or there was one particular they turn. slide out. That everybody slid out on because yeah. it, it just wasn't built correctly, right? So like the blue track had everybody slide out on that turn, and they weren't used to the and they weren't to used point. to that kind of snow. Yeah, yeah. This it, is it, a theory. Seems, it seems yeah. like yeah. someone engineered it with real snow. It's fascinating. Yeah, they they, they shaved the, the they pour it on and they have the shaved ice underneath. But that's the thing. They're like this is a theory that I've had for a while because I know so many people on the west coast of you know the U.S. who are like, I I will not ski on the east coast because it's all ice and i don't it's all fake snow and i don't want to deal with the thing and because i slide out all the time and it's just not enjoyable for me that's what most of them well, you, say when you know it's funny though the, the guy who designed not only the half pipe but the, the downhill ski the and, and the uh the slalom race um is the same guy who's designed 
all of the Olympic races since Lillehammer, except for one. He missed one. I, I forget what it was. They, they didn't choose him to choose Sochi, I think. But he, he designed all of them. Oh, like all the courses? Right, all the courses. So even though he designed this one in fake snow, he's so used to using real snow that I think that may have had an impact on, on the actual course. Right, what else we got going on? We got the Super Bowl coming up? Yes, we got the Super Bowl coming up. I'm I'm super excited for the Super Bowl. Um, I I I gotta be honest. All right, I'm a, I'm a Chargers fan, right? I'm a generally I'm a San Diego Chargers fan. I'm an LA Chargers fan now. For me, it doesn't make a difference. If anything, when they moved to LA, they got a little closer to me because there's more flights to LAX than there is to San Diego. But now we play in SoFi, where the the Rams also play. So now that's both our home. Like it is the the Charger. I mean the Giants and the Jets. And now they're playing at their home stadium for the Super Bowl. One, I don't really find that fair. Um, even though, like, the ticket prices are so crazy that, like, no regular fan could ever buy them. And half the, the stadium's already bought out before the tickets even go on sponsors. sale. Yeah. Mostly sponsors. Mostly so sponsors. You know what I mean? And the Paul brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, because of that, I'm rooting for the Bengals. Um, one, I, I like Joe Burrow. I do. I like LSU. And, yeah. I, I like Joe Burrow, and if I'm going to make a bet for the game, it's going to be Evan Evan McPherson kicking the game-winning field goal. Evan McPherson, by the way, long snapper for the Cincinnati Bengals. From what date? No, Evan McPherson's not his Ev- long snapper. His long, that's what his, I just his, said. Evan McPherson's, Evan McPherson's apostrophe S. I didn't hear you. S. I, I didn't hear I was the His long snapper is from, Nick, tell us where, the great state from Manahawken, of New Jersey. New Jersey. Absolutely. Clark Harris is his name. He was a tight end at Rutgers, and uh, you know, good, good for him. Good for him. I saw a, a report about him, and you know, he's uh, he actually holds the record, the world record for the longest long snap in the world, oddly enough. So I good mean, for yeah. him. The longest long snap. I didn't know if that was a thing, That's but they, a thing. they heard it. They which, said it. Which they in reported the pro, it. Which in the Pro Bowl, you could really see that uh, if if anyone of the twenty people that did watch the Pro Bowl, you could see that holders and uh, long snappers actually matter. Yeah. <laughs> is that an Olympic sport? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, good for him. Good. For, I'm rooting for the Bengals. I don't know about you guys, but my my wife's a big LSU fan, so uh, she loves Joe Burrow, and we you know we're gonna crack it out. We're gonna get it going for the Bengals, and hope he can bring it home. Tim, what do you got going on? Well, for anyone that came to the Garden for the Villanova game, uh, you did get to see that friend of the podcast, Marcus Had, is getting his own bobblehead at Senior Night against Xavier. Well deserved. Not only <laughs> well deserved. Well deserved. Not only are we getting a, a really good looking bobblehead, probably the best since we had Felipe. Yeah, Felipe's was cool. Felipe is cool. Hands looked very cool on the on the video. It board. looked really good it looked and really... it looks stable, which is <laughs> as, very as, as weird really as, weird as it sounds. That's a big key to some of these St. John's bobbleheads. Well, I mean, Mark Jackson, his, the Mark Jackson was holding a uh, trophy in his in his bobblehead. Too and, heavy. And it's it was too, too heavy. heavy. His hands constantly broke off. Shout, gonna, shout out to Gorilla Glue. Gonna, for sure. That's how I held mine together. I'm going to have to talk to the guy who makes them. I used to work with him when I worked with Cyclones for a they long are time. Good, they're good. They're good looking bobbleheads. Oh, awesome what, looking. What, what awesome. do you have? Like bobbleheads in the bobblehead hall, like museum hall of fame or something like that? I do. Actually, I do. There's bobbleheads that I created that are in the bobblehead hall of fame. Are they? How many? Talk about it. Uh, Why don't five, you? Five. I think four or five. Uh, I mean, don't be humble. I mean, you, you worked with the people who designed them. No, no. I was, let's be honest. <laughs> I was promotion manager, so, you know, I helped. I helped, I mean, I don't design. Yes. I didn't design it, but I 
manage Help the, the idea. I mean, the you, idea. you approved the design. Which I approved. Is, which design. is basically design. I did. You're I like did. the you're like a Rick Rubin of uh, music <laughs> for bobbleheads. I was there. I I married the Craig Coughlin wing at the bobblehead. Hall yeah, I want to go. I want to go. Yeah. It's in Minnesota. All right, let's yeah, go. He deserves but, more credit but for that. We can't forget. Not only is a really good Marcus Hatton bobblehead coming out for everyone. First 1,000 students get a Marcus Hatton replica jersey, which looks awesome. Yeah, start, the, start, the still, here we the go, still baby. is awesome. Round two, let's get his numbers retired. Exactly. That's, that's what we got to do. No, nothing like having 1,000 students with number one jerseys. Why not? I mean, we're, we're, already, we're already giving out his jersey. We got bobbleheads for him. The, the man deserves to have his jersey retired. He does. The man, the man is, I mean, all-time great. He deserves to be up there with the rest of them. Retire his number. Let's get it done. Hashtag retired Hatton's jersey number one. Hash, exactly. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Follow us on Twitter, Retro and Teacher. I, uh, listen, I, I think it's absolutely more more than overdue. So let's hope we get that done, and, and we're going to work on it. Maybe, on, maybe, on, the, maybe on the bobble day. Maybe there's a surprise coming. We don't know. Maybe there's a surprise coming. I, I, I doubt it. But I, I'd like to see it. I mean, I, he well-deserved, and I'd like to see it. So anyway, let's get into this episode. we got a big episode ahead of us, so let's let's get into this. Then all the way back to last week, we faced off against Georgetown. And, man, oh, man, if we could only play Georgetown every week, I think it would be great for us. It would be great. 90-77 to 77, St. John's victory. Julian Champagny led all scorers with 27 points. Also had six rebounds on the night. Aaron Wheeler, I, my man, just continues to impress. 13 points. Joel Soriano, though. Outplayed him. 14 points, 9 rebounds. My man had a hell of a game. For Georgetown, it was Donald Carey who led Georgetown with 23 points. Caden Rice also had 20 points. Two 20-point scorers, they still couldn't even overcome the St. John's Fury. We won the rebound battle. Huge win for us, 44-40. to That's always a good day. Even more so than that was the turnover battle. I mean, on... Listen, sometimes we win the turnover battle really big. And, you know, sometimes you don't win it as big, which is the case that happened here. It was nine turnovers to eight, which doesn't sound great. But we didn't really need it. We won by 13 points anyway. So, you know, we did everything else correctly, which put us in a great spot. We shot 50% from the field. And my man, Julian Champagny, back in the New York groove. We may have been in D.C., but he, my man, came back 27 points like we talked about. Just absolutely nothing more you could ask for from that man. We held Georgetown to 37% from the field. They were just 9 of 24 from 3 as well. Great job defensively. Great job offensively. And, and it was good to see Julian Champagne back. Tim, what's your main takeaway from this game? For this game, it was definitely Soriano getting in that groove. He... Had a solid 14 points, 6 for 6 from the field, 9 rebounds, 4 blocks. He was doing it on both ways. His hands looked great. He was getting comfortable around the rim, putting up nice little floater hooks. He looks comfy. He's also slamming it down now. We, we, we struggled at times uh, in the past dealing with Georgetown big man. But Joel Soriano really stepped up and I, you know, to, to a point where we haven't seen that in a few years. Yeah, with him, it was what you saw at the beginning of the year where he was still getting comfortable. He would catch the ball around the rim, and he looked like he wanted to dunk it, but he didn't feel comfortable enough to get it at certain points. Now he gets that ball in his hand, 
He's ready to take two steps and slam it down on people. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what their size is. He looked great. And, I mean, you know, it's hard to say no one looked great. We, we all look great uh, against that Georgetown, in, in that Georgetown win, I should say. Nick, what's your main takeaway from this game? My main takeaway is I mean, something that I talked about before the game, actually, is that we locked up Aminu Muhammad. Um, I mean, he, he shot one for 13. Him, uh, Mathis, and Wusu pretty much locked him up the whole game. I mean, intermittently. But, I mean, main, they were the main two defenders. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that was our main take, that's my main takeaway, that we locked up Aminu Muhammad. And, the, you know, he's the, the biggest rookie of the year. He's, you know, he's one of their most important people of their their team. Yeah, that was a big that was big that we stopped him. I mean, locking locking him down. Muhammad only four points on the night. He had only six rebounds, which for him is a bad night. Yeah, and, he, and, he couldn't and really get anything going. To exactly your point, Nick. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because we played so well against him the first time that you you almost thought just because we're St. John's, like, eh, it won't happen again. And then sure enough, bang! Just what the doctor ordered. Here we are. Playing in the same way and and locking Amina Muhammad down just like we wanted to. Craig, what's your main takeaway from this game? I mean, I think the the biggest story of this game was something we all needed to see again was Julian Champagne going off. I know Vincent talked about it a little bit, but I think we need to reiterate again because without Julian Champagne, the rest of the season doesn't go. Um, so having him go back, make some shots. You see him was you could see throughout the game he was gaining confidence back in his shot. That is important for us going forward. If Julian Champagne is not confident in his shot, is not doing well, we are not going to go anywhere. Um, but this Georgetown game was, like Vin said, just exactly what the doctor ordered. Uh, got him back on track, which was super important. And now we can, you know, move on to the rest of the season. Hopefully, Julian continues to to play well. We absolutely continued to see Julian play well as we moved on and defeated Butler seventy five to seventy two in Hinkle Fieldhouse. First win there since two thousand and fourteen. Julian Champagne again led St. John's with 21 points, also had eight rebounds. Aaron Wheeler, my man, just is continuing his role. 13 points. Posh Alexander, another great game. 12 points, five assists. Uh, but for Butler, Bo Hodges actually led all scorers, had 22 points. We won the rebound battle, 29 to 27. Small margin, but a, big, but a good enough win there. Another win in the turnover battle for us, 11 to 6. Held it down. I mean, six turnovers for us is great. We had been averaging almost double that. And, you know, 11 is a low number for us in turnovers, but in such a low turnover game, it's just it's good to see. Uh, 48% from the field. Butler actually outshot us, 52% from the field. Still came away with the victory, though. Two of 16 from three, which is just 12%, which is awful. I mean, we had shot nine of 26, which is 35% against Georgetown. Which isn't great, but it's it's pretty good. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate to see us take a step back there. But, you know, listen, the last field goal we made in the game was with 4.15 to go. Uh, which, you know, is it, it, hard to see, but held on. Came away with the victory. Tim, what's your main takeaway? My main takeaway was the decision of taking a day of practice in between these games. We had so many games in such a short amount of days. And what did we have a practice of? What was it, Tim? Let us know. It was no running, no practice of games, no gameplay. It was strictly, what was it, Vincent? What was it strictly? I think it was strictly free throws. Yep. I think it was, wait a minute. As I recall, in, in the last episode, I... I mentioned we should take a day of 
of just shooting free throws at practice. I, I just I remember recalls Nick. You told me that, that that was an outlandish idea. That no, that, that that didn't make sense for us to do that. Tim, let him know what did we shoot in the Butler game in terms of free throws. Well, we shot twenty five total free throws. How many did we make? And we made twenty one, which is eighty four percent. It sounds to me like a practice full of free throws. Uh, it sounds like it worked. Yes, it was a great coaching decision by Anderson to run that kind of practice. Uh, he kept everyone fresh. He worked on the one thing we were slacking on, and it was a good way to keep the team going, even though we can't really abuse their legs anymore. And on top of that, Anderson also threw in a 2-3 zone in this game. So nice little coaching decision just, on defense. See, wait, wait. Everything you pointed right to right there, just, just that's, that's my argument right there. They were tired. It wasn't that they weren't good. What do you mean that was argument? You, was you, you talked about how, no, nah, you can't you just, do that. He, what, what are you talking about? Quote, taking a thousand free throws at, at, a same, at a point would just put you back in a mental block. I believe yeah, those are the exact I words. I hundred. So he had abuse and was trying to get people back in a rhythm Listen, at this point. Mike Anderson saw the fact that we played on Thursday, Saturday, and Tuesday. And said, you know what? In between this Thursday, Saturday quick turnaround, I'm going to take a day and commit to free throws. And it paid off. Was it, just like Tim was it commit to free throws or was it commit to, you know, like it a was commit to free throws. Was it a rest day? It was a commit to free throws. We shot 21 of 25. Well, that it, turnaround is spectacular. It was, it was a, a, a combo. It was a game changer. Which is a smart coaching decision. I don't or practice. Yeah, yeah, right. Mike Anderson made a great he choice. Reali- he realized the only problem was our free throws. I don't. I don't disagree. So he spent the whole day shooting free throws. Like I said. Anyway, Craig, what's your main takeaway from this game? I think the big takeaway from this game is that we won at Hinkle. It's the first time in 2014. That's a huge thing. Big. big. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, I was I mean, not there. It was a must there. win. But it no, you're right. Win. It was a must win. It was a game we really needed to win to, to keep any hope alive of, of postseason play. Uh, and back against the wall, we did it. Uh, it was close. Um, but uh, as Vin said, our last field goal was uh, with 4.15 to go in the game. We, Aaron Wheeler made a jumper. We did not hit another field goal for the rest of the game, but we, went we didn't nine need of, to. We didn't need to because we went 9 of 10 from the free throw line. Exactly. So they kept fouling us. We kept making our shots, and you know, if, without, the, without the free throws, we would have been in trouble. Um, we only missed one of those you know, last 10 free throws. So um, you know, I, I think winning a Hinkle and hitting those free throws, especially on the road, is huge. Uh, and it can't be understated it, how important it, that win was. In this was. scenario where it was a must win, we coming off a, a, a big win against Georgetown. Butler is a, is a you know, lower four team of the Big East. It's a win we needed to have, uh, and it's, a, it's a been a play, house of horrors for us. So being able to get that win when we needed it is exactly what we, we got the job done, right? Yep. You, you couldn't ask for it. Listen, it wasn't pretty necessarily. Butler certainly came back in a game that we had them almost out of. But... You got the job done. You got the victory. That's all that matters. Nick, what's your main takeaway? I'm going to keep it short, sweet, and simple. Julian Champagne is back. He got 21 points this game. You know, he, I mean, 6 for 17, not amazing. Back but in double still, digits, though. He got 21. 21. He shot 9 from 10 from free throws. You know, had 8 rebounds. Back Julian's on his average. Back. Back yeah. on what, his what is that, second game now in a row? Second game in a row, back in double digits. Back in double digits. And they're both twenty. They're both above twenty. No? Yeah, absolutely. So, I you know it, it is good back. to see. It is good to That's see. It. Anytime you can get him back, is uh, anytime you can get him back 
is is good to have him back in the flow because he is a game changer. He's a game changing player. Also talking about game changing players for us, uh, we got to talk about Posh Alexander's game, who had had a great game um, here again, um, but some bad news towards the end of the game where he uh, came down on his ankle uh, and injured it, um, and it did not look good. Yeah, he, he didn't play. Ended up playing, missing the the you know a good portion of the end of that game against Butler, which is con- certainly worrisome. And and you know it, the worry continued as we went on to the Villanova game because he didn't play at all in that game. I was worried at the end of the Butler game when he when he cut his ankle tape off and didn't come back in that this could be more than just a. You knew he was done with that game. You knew he was done for that game. The fear was that it was, you know, it was worse than we imagined. The fear became a realization in the Villanova game as Posh Alexander was there in street clothes, not playing. And, you know, I think overall had an impact on the game. 75 to 69, St. John's loss. Aaron Wheeler put on a shell, 31 points and seven rebounds. Aaron Wheeler has really his splits between non-conference and conference play is something to take a look at because he has really turned it into a different gear and has just been spectacular. Julian Champagny back on the double-digit list with 12 points. Good to see him get a third game, even though he didn't get all the way up to 20 like he normally does. Getting to 12, getting that double digits for him, I think, keeps him in the mental flow of, cool, yep. three games in a row, here I am. He also got hurt. In the he middle. also you have yeah, to talk about that. He didn't play yeah. much which, in the second which, half, yeah. which was was a problem. He which, hit his hip. Right. Yeah, which let's get into the fact of these common fouls that he kept calling. Yeah, which yeah. I would guess they wouldn't be common fouls in most games, especially if we did it to like you know Galepsi. If if we did the same thing that it's happened true. to he got hit high not, low. Not only yeah. not only like, Julian Julian got hit. Our best player got hit. Hard yanked to the ground, hard hit on his hip. They slid under him too. Yeah, yeah. they slid under. Under but mo- mo- yeah, we also had Nyby go up for a block. He was pumped, jumped up, guy got underneath him, but lifted underneath him to flip him off his shoulders on purpose, which could be flagrant. It's unnecessary contact. And we then never really get that call. I appreciate that, but yeah, they should because that's the ruling of how flagrant is recognized. It's unnecessary contact, which it was. Fair. He didn't need to do that. He did it on purpose to create extra contact and put him in a desperate situation where yeah. he Absol- can be I mean, injured. We're, we're never getting that call, but you're 100% right. Yeah. But then after that, second half, why don't we injure a third player for St. John's? Omar Stanley goes up for a layup. He gets his arm yanked down, and it was pretty much the same idea of what they took Mathis out of the Indiana game for. It was pulling down an arm. And Stanley came down crashing hard. Everyone heard it. And for the third time, the refs went over to the scorer's table. Mrs. Anderson stared them down. <laughs> and they looked at the replay. They looked at her. They looked at the replay and said, We love our daddy, Jay Wright, too much. They looked at Jay Wright and he said, <laughs> and it was over. And then it was, that was over. Uh, yeah. By the way, everybody, I got a new soundboard. If you haven't told yet, I'm having a lot of fun with it. So it's, my it's soundboard, he means too much his laptop. Fun. Too much. <laughs> we yeah, we we got to get the fed in directly so it sounds a little better. But we'll we'll get there. Omar Stanley though did play well, and uh, you know another guy off the bench who played well, Steph Smith, 12 points for him. 
But, you know, it was good to see other guys get involved. For Villanova, Justin Moore and Eric Dixon led Villanova both with 16 points. And rebounds, we were right there, 45-39, to 39, St. John's loss. It's a tough one, but we always lose a rebound batter. Turnovers, nothing but happiness. 16 turnovers for Villanova on a team that doesn't turn the ball over. And we only turned the ball over nine times. And Vincent, guess what we did better than Villanova? What did we do, Tim? We shot free throws better than Villanova. I That's wonder. Was a shocker to me, completely honest. I mean, I don't know. It, it was because the refs in the last five minutes of the game were like, well, we got to make up all these calls that we missed the whole time. <laughs> and we got to make numbers look good so it doesn't look like, hey, we called 25 fouls on St. John's and three on Villanova. They still shot 10 more free throws than we did, 12 more actually, free throws than we did, but 75% from the free throw line. Nick, that practice worked. I don't care what you said. <laughs> Craig, what's your main takeaway from this game? Besides the fact there was a murder over here, um, the my main takeaway, look from that the, the Villanova game, uh, <laughs> the Villanova game is classic St. John's game. Uh, St. John's is the only team that you can lose in a blowout fashion and then also lose on a heartbreaker within the same game. <laughs> if uh, anybody can do it, it's the Redstone. And everybody who's listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about, how you essentially lost twice. We lost twice in this game because we get, I mean, you're down 20 with like five minutes ago with Villanova, you're like, we're not coming back. And then they do. They come back. They come back. You're like, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen. We get a stop. We get the ball back. We get a, a good look at the basket for three to try to take, you know, to take the lead or to tie the game. And then we lose. Yeah. Um. So, you know, look. They those they, they fought hard. We came back. I just wish you know. Cooper got a good look at the end there. He got a great look. He got a great yeah. look, and Aaron Wheeler was unconscious at the end there, uh, and, uh, like absolutely. just absolutely yeah. unconscious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was just coming down, and just drilling threes. It was amazing, and, well, and they ramped up the defense and they pressed. And the problem is, the Villanova struggles. They, they, we've we know the struggle. The tough part was is no posh, and basically no Julian in the second half. We're yeah. very contrasting. Oh, it's offensive yeah. scheme. That's why I thought it was a well, game we could if get. If we had Posh and Julian at the end, I make the argument that yeah, that game, we we probably win that game, right? I, I don't see a scenario where our press was really great without our best press player. So, like, you put Posh Alexander into that press, and all of a sudden, like, how could you say, okay, you're not coming away with that victory? You know what I mean? I, I just don't see a scenario where it happened. Now, obviously, that, it doesn't play out like that. Right. He, he was hurt, so he's never going to play in that position. But I mean, it, we it, left out Julian too. It's well, we're, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's just and tough. It were, and, hey, it, it's it tough it to see. It's tough to see because we, we were that close. Tim, what's your main takeaway from the game? Well, you can see with Posh and Julian. Well, not only did Julian get hit in this game, he also, which I hope is just jamming his finger on the very first play of this game. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was pulling or sure. pushing his finger in. So I'm hoping he was pulling and trying to. Stop a. It looked like pull on the TV. It yeah, looked like a pull. I hope so. We haven't heard anything from yeah. uh, Zach Braziller with his New York Post Plus yet on it. So nope. We're waiting for that every second. Great subscription. If you haven't done it, definitely go. Shout out to Zach Berry for that. That is, it is, it is really awesome to get the uh, the St. John's update. Nick, what's your main takeaway from this game? I guess my main takeaway is really just, I mean, I mean, how, I mean, we 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 played hard. Um. We we play very hard, but one thing I want to just just take a note of, I guess, really, is just that Mathis didn't have a good game. He went one for fourteen. He got two points, and he went over oh, four for three. I mean, one for fourteen is a lot of shots to get. Two That's points. a lot of shots, and like and like you know, he's 
He's not ter- he's he's not terrible on the defensive end. He's not great. It's frankly he, the he, fact he's he can be pretty good on, oh, on the defensive end. He's good on the defensive except when he's on the full court press on the backside. He's not that's not his role. That's not where he should be. That's just not he's not good in that role. He's we need somebody, we defender. need a better he's a much better on-ball defender. We need somebody better as an anchor. Yeah, he's not he's not a pro bowl safety back there. He's not picking anything right, at the exactly. uh, at the back of the end zone. But, but we did lose this game uh we almost came back at the end. We did have a very important visit with Brandon Gardner, a uh, four-star kid, junior, came to the Garden, loved it. And all the fans that stayed for this game after we were down 20 and kept cheering on this team and his team made his comeback, I really hope it gives him that mindset of, if I was on this team, what could I have done? Absolutely. Would, would it I mean, been me helping? I mean, if you look at the chasers, it, it, you, it is you, always the, the struggle of college basketball, right? Not only do you have to worry about the season that's going on right now, you kind of always have to look ahead, who you have for visits, what you're doing to make sure your team next year has the pieces it needs. And to your point, Tim, I, I, you know, it was a good crowd. It was a loud crowd. It, it was what you wanted in a game. And... You know, hopefully he, he felt that way. It certainly seemed like he felt that well, way. I'm looking back at his Twitter. You can see that he um he posted a lot of stuff saying that, you know it was really good and and that kind of stuff. Uh, and he enjoyed it and he was you know he he you know he he, he seemed to have a good time. Uh, and that's all you can hope for. I mean, he's that's cool with really, AJ Store. He's very right. he's very close, he's to, very AJ close store, to stores. So which you is gotta good. hope you know it'd be great. He's a five he's a five star kid four star. So kid? it depends where you're looking at, but he might be a four star. He might be a five star. Well, he's I a like very line. talented six right. seven six eight wing. That's great. I mean, uh, exactly plays into Mike Anderson's his his theory plays into his team, and I, I think it could be a good piece for us to add. I have to just say this because I was there, and I I, I couldn't. It was just unfathomable. St. John's historically always, for whatever reason, I feel like we miss more layups at the basket than any team across the country in the history of basketball, uh, and it, it reared its ugly head against Villanova again. And you know, we let them get too far ahead. And we dug ourselves too big a hole, so when we made the run at the end, it wasn't enough to, to win the game, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, th- that's what happened, and that's where we, you know, we ended up. That's the life we live as St. John's fans. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. The dark cloud over St. John's never goes away. That certainly was true in the layup situation against Villanova. Overall, though, again, losing to Villanova, not the end of the world. And we, we did come back. We, we made a good push. Without our two best players. So that, I think that does say something about us. All right, moving on. We've now got a special guest, former St. John's guard, Ron Movica, joining our podcast. All right. Hey, Ron. Good to have you on. Good to have you. Thank you. So uh, so how are you? How are you? What are you up to? I'm good, man. Good Sunday. Chilling with the family, you know. Nasty weather outside, so we're just going to chill in today. Nice, nice. So... So let's we'll start with some questions about St. John's. What what made you choose St. John's? Uh, St. John chose me. <laughs> More than anything, you know, um, it's a different. It's it's, it's but today we speaking free. I have been in college in a long time, but people, I always have a special, very, 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 very special bar with St. John because it's modern basketball. When I got recruited to St. John, I couldn't walk. I couldn't run. I got forget about running. I couldn't run. I was hurt. You know what I'm saying? I had mm-hmm. to go. I was I was supposed to go through my second back surgery in five years. So 
when 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 before I went in there, I give you a little backstory. My old school was Missouri State, right? I was playing the Missouri State, um, Missouri State University in the MBC. Um, what was the name of the uh, shit? They switched up the name of the the conference. Uh, anyway, the year where Wichita went undefeated, y'all remember that? Well, Wichita, Wichita State was just beating everybody. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that year there was a not conference, and that's who we was going back and forth with. So it was a mid-major, but it was pretty high. You know, it was the intensity and the level was pretty dope with teams like Wichita. So, um, Missouri the, Valley, the, Missouri Valley Conference, right? The Missouri was, Valley Conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. some that's reason a, I know they switched it up. So yeah. So yeah, so long story short, I had a good junior year. Then my senior year, when I was coming back, I started started to see them pretty good. Then I hurt myself. So at that time, my coach only had like one scholarship. And I remember going to his office and saying, "Look, man, I was his best player, but I was like, look, man, if you got one scholarship, and you know, people knew it was my back issue, like it was back issue, so." Mm-hmm. Um, I told him, look, if you got one scholarship, just go take somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Get somebody mm-hmm. else that will help the program. But if you get another one, you're going to give me that. Like, you can give me that because I'm going to beat this. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going right. to let my, my career end like that. And mind you, I hurt my, my my back in preseason. Like, we was playing against this school, a D2 school that we always play against each year. And we never lost to them. And at halftime, we was down minus we was down 16 and I'm the captain of the team. I'm like, we never lost to this team. And I ain't finna be the one, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I heard my back, like I felt it crack too. When I came down, I heard like something was back. So I'm going to halftime. I'm like, nah, hell no, nah, I ain't losing to them. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, 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 nah. So I go back and I finish the game with a, with a, with a disc that's fractured actually. Wow, so I didn't know geez. that at the time. So we win though, you know what I'm saying? We win. Then at the end of the game, I can walk. So um, when I go see him, long story short, I go see him. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the fact that you talk to me like that, really mature, all that. Cool. The guy ended up having three scholarships. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not one, not two, three. So I'm like, all right, out of three, right. get one. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah for sure. Not finna- and then he start talking, you know, I don't really know who he who. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, I could bet. So now I see where this is going. You know what I'm saying? So I've been in the States for six, five years at that time, four, five years. And uh, I always been in top program from prep school to junior college. There was always the highest level. And now I'm, I can't play. Mm-hmm. And this guy is my only hope. And he's telling me he don't want to get me. So I don't have no parents in America, no coaches that I can, you know what I'm saying? It's just me. Right, I'm by right. myself. So I'm looking at him. And he's telling me, you know, maybe go D2 is a good route, you know, with your injury. I said, look, man, I left my family when I was 15 years old to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? I came out here to be playing against the best. I ain't no D2 player. No disrespect to any player that played D2. There's some killers out there for sure. But that wasn't part of my playing. I'm not a D2 player, and I won't go D2. I will go to another D1, though, but it won't be D2. So if you don't want to take me, somebody else will take me. You know what I'm saying? So he was just like, all right, basically, it was over with, you know? So I'm just going to the, I'm just going to the process and the motion. Like now I got to go get a surgery. I really have no idea what I'm going to be. I don't even know if I'm going to be playing. 
you know? So when I go to the doctor, the doctor is telling me like, this is a heavy surgery. So you might not be able to play basketball no more. You know what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. Like, we talking about if you won't be able to run with your kids and shit. I'm looking at him like, look, man, I'm going to play basketball. You feel what I'm saying? You do your job. I'm going to do right, my right. job. God going to do his job. You know what I'm saying? Y'all just, just do that. So um, I get the surgery. And then this is where um, I'm calling one of my coaches that I, I played in Spain with, Robo Rolando. You know, and uh, I'm telling him the situation, like, don't worry, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, though, you know what I'm saying? But let's see. I'm like, all right, cool. Next thing you know, I'm, 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 I'm watching ESPN. That's what Coach Mullen just signed with St. John. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's dope. I'm like, you know, he's back. You know, that's that's tough. I remember that. It was yesterday. I can't move. I'm saying I can't move. <laughs> right. And then a couple weeks later, it was crazy because – I think some other coaches called me. It was an assistant coach from BCU or something like that. And then Coach Matt called me, you know what I'm saying? St. John University. I'm like, what? St. John's? Mm-hmm. Like, what you mean, St. John's? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. I can't move right you know, now. What do you mean? Like, I'm in the Missouri Valley Conference at that time. It's already, but like, we talking Big East now. We talking high, you know what I'm saying? We talking mm-hmm. big dogs. I so did one, yeah. Coach called me, he like, yo, look, man, I just had lunch with Chris Mullins. You know what I'm saying? I told him about you. I showed him the highlight, this, that, and third. He's going to call you when he call you. When they call you, just be ready. I'm like, man, he playing with me. Like, he's talking about <laughs> And then Coach Matt called me on the phone, and it was just like, it was just like a right away. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling this guy on the phone, like, you know I'm about to go to my second surgery, right? Right. <laughs> he like, bro, he like, I don't care. He like, I really don't care. Because at that time, everybody was leaving. So it was a brand new team. This is what right, people yeah. got to realize. Coach Mullen probably get there March. And now you got to start building the team up in like June, July, knowing that you got college program that takes four years to recruit teams. You know what I'm saying? It'd be taking three, four years to build the whole team. Like, yeah. And this yeah. guy just get a team with He's got 10 two months. spots that you got to build up in like two months. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so he's telling me like, the, the the character that you is and the, the the leader that you is and the player that you is that's what I care about. Like I don't care if you have five back surgeries and just like get that done and we get you out there. And then, and you came in and you really were a leader on that team. Uh, how was it to come in? Obviously, you know, transfer in and now all of a sudden you're the, you're the the captain of the team basically, and you and you got to lead the way for like you said a team that was only put together in a few months. Yeah, that was that was the challenge. Like, I mean, me naturally, I'm a natural leader. Like, start up with it. It ain't like it's something I force or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that when I come, I take over, but it's just like my personality and how I am. You know, you can ask Nick, he vouch for it. That's just the type of guy that I am. So when I found out the challenge, I was much older than everybody else as well. But I had a different taste and different vibe to everybody because basketball was almost snatching away from me. And now I'm coming back. I have two all the famous coaches around me. I'm in New York City. I'm about to play at the garden. Like I was left for dead, man. You know what I'm saying? I was literally left for dead. And now you put me back the highest, the Mecca of basketball. You know what I'm saying the best city in the world when it comes to ball. So it's like at this time right now, there's no, 
whatever I got to do, you know what I'm saying? Whatever I got to do, like whatever coach want me to do, whatever he need me to do, whatever I got to do to be the best and push everybody, that's what I'm going to do, you know what I'm saying? So I just embrace it from the jump. Yeah, I embrace I, it from the jump. I remember when you came in, you were one of the, you were the most senior people on the team, you and Deron Johnson. Do you still, do you still talk to Deron? Because you, you and you that's, and him were boys when that's you were... my twin, man. I was talking to him yesterday, man. <laughs> yeah, how's he that's doing? That's the thing with basketball. You create some bonds that would never that would never go away. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my brother from another, like that ain't never gonna change. You know what I'm saying? Like we call each other all the time and every time. I spoke to him last night, you know what I'm saying? So that's just some because it, it was it was it was it was different. You know, everybody had something to it was just like we was all putting together. And you had to navigate, you know what I'm saying? So me and P, me and Longway, it was like we the older guys and we've been through the we've been through war before, different type of trenches. So it was just like no matter what, like we knew, I knew we was gonna lose games, don't get me wrong, because it's just an experience. Like college is not like pros. College, you can win games by just playing hard, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and having yeah. some guys that just have experience and then win, you know what I'm saying? So some of the guys didn't know what it meant to play hard the whole time. You know what I'm saying? So some games we let it slip, but when me and when me and when me and Durant was gonna we, 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 when me and Durant was trying to 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 install hold on this one. When me and Durant was we installed was like we gonna play hard. Ain't nobody finna come out here and think shit finna be sweet. So that's why we lost a lot of games where people were still cheering on. People were still, you know what I'm saying, like, was behind us. You know, some teams, you start losing like that. You're looking at the crowd. It's empty. Like, ain't nobody from the crowd. Right. People will boo you. You know what I'm saying? I've seen this before, but they stuck with us all the way. You know what I mean? So. We were there for every game, I promise. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were there. No, I remember. I remember. We're... You know, it was always some close games, and, you know, it was always tough, and. I tell you now, because it was a secret. It wasn't really a secret back then, but like Nick seen it from the jump. Like I was running, I had to run. But like, you know, that year I played, I was like 70% of my capacity body-wise. I was playing on one leg and a half because when I woke up from my second surgery, my, my second nerve wasn't working. Wow. On my left leg. So I literally played a whole season with... I wasn't myself. I wasn't the player that I was because obviously I'm coming right. back, you know what I'm saying? But that fire, that grits, I was learning how to run. Like, you ask Nick, they got me in the thing I was running. They bought me a, I don't remember if you remember Nick, uh, Mark, 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 uh, Marty, the special trainer that used to come before Marty used to work with Russell Westbrook and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. Some guy from the Mets, they got me some, some, some guru. He came every day, was working <laughs> with me, and, you know, it worked. I wasn't at my full capacity, but just the 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 the, the grits, the fire that like you know these guys gave me a chance when nobody else did. It was just like whatever I gotta do, I'm gonna go get it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I remember you and Durant were so even even though we didn't have the best season that year, uh, you guys were still so important to like because we were very young, other than you two, yeah, you two and what and Felix like <laughs> and Christian, right? Christian Jones was on the team too. Yeah, yeah. CJ was on the team. So yeah. on top of having young guys. We talking foreign kids. Yeah. Federico is fresh from Italy. You don't know nothing. Mm -hmm. He must fresh out of Spain. I don't know nothing. Kasum is fresh out of prep school. He can barely really understand what's going on. So 
you know, you add up, then you got Malik Ellison as a freshman, then you got Elijah that's a walk-on, then, you know, you got all right. these guys that coming in and they can they just don't know. And right. they get thrown to the fire, like, go, you know. Tariq couldn't play because of uh, yeah, Redshirt, because he was Tennessee. But yeah. I promise you that he, Tariq played, and Marcus, Marcus LeVette was just a, a story every single day we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was messed up. It was it was it was pissing me off. You know what I'm saying? But even with Marcus, Tariq was a red shirt. But even with Marcus, if it was gonna be like Marcus, me, and and and, and Duran, mm-hmm. it was gonna be a whole different it right. was gonna be a different, a completely different problem because now you have Federico coming off the bench, you know what I'm saying? Or it's yeah. it's, it's it would have been it would have been it would have been a different story, but you know, it was like the fact that they were young, but that just was the first time in America. They don't really know, right? Exactly. It's it's, it's kind of a double combo: being young, exactly, being here for the first time. Yep, it's and a tough combo. You got to put it in like Coach Mullen never really coached no college, right? Or at any level. That's another thing too. He's used to the NBA, like that's the NBA legend. We know too, so that's his first time in college too. So he's learning as well. You know, sure. it's like everybody's just learning on the fly. and But at right. the same time, we got to go to war. We got to play. You know what I mean? So Every day. Even when you have a 16-game losing streak going on. It didn't feel <laughs> like it. Oh, no, it didn't. I remember that. It didn't feel like it because at that point, I'm like, I, me, I start understanding pretty, at a, pretty quickly. You know, I've been playing balls for a long time. Like, by the time I got to St. John, I already played in two different countries. I already went to prep school. I went to junior college. I, I did a lot of a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So by the time I get to St. John, I have way more experience than a lot of these guys put together. You know what I'm saying? So I start realizing, like, all right, this is going to be a, you know, you know when you have to go through, like, like awesome, you're going to use this year. It's going to be like a, a crash. Right. Dumb challenge. Stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's not going to be for this year, but it's going to be for the year after and the year after. That was going to build up and to get to whatever. You know what I'm saying? Once mm-hmm. we beat Syracuse after that beat them Syracuse, like, and then every single year it was beating them because we find a way on how to beat them. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just like, all right, just play as hard as you can later, Graham. You know what I'm saying? Maybe – you sacrifice enough, but next year that'd be better. And then I got that out of pretty pretty early during the season. That's why I was just like, yo, y'all just give whatever y'all got, just give everything. And I you know it's not about if we lose or not, obviously we want to win, but it's like if we lose, we're gonna lose like some 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 real soldiers. Like we're gonna fight all the way to the end. It's a lot of games we should have should have got for real, for real, but you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Ron, going back, uh, a lot of the St. John's fan base doesn't realize the wild journey you had coming from France, then going out of all places to Huntington, West Virginia. My dad's from West Virginia. Yeah. It is going New Jersey to West Virginia is a crash course. I can't imagine what it's like going from France to Huntington. Yeah, I went to Wyoming. I played, yeah. I played junior college in Wyoming, Utah, West Virginia, Vegas compared to Wyoming. <laughs> you know, I was just so excited to, to, to be in America because, like, the backstory is that I go to France, I go up playing in Spain and all that, and I get recruited by Virginia Tech. That's my first school that I committed to. 
I'm supposed to go to Virginia Tech, but by the time I go to Virginia Tech, I'm too young. My grades are kind of like different. So they sent me to prep school. Virginia Tech sent me to Huntington Prep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course, Ryan at the time. So by the time I go there, I'm already known. I like verbally committed to them, like not officially, but you know. So when I get there, yeah, it's a little, it's different from what I know, but I always knew I was going to play in America from a young age. So it was just like, I put that in my head and that was that, you know what I'm saying? That was my dream to go play in the NBA. To me, the NBA, you had to go to the NCAA and then go. So it was just like, I was ready for whatever. I didn't really think about all the change and, you know, like Paris. Cause like, you know, I was just, I was just happy. I was just like a fish in the water. Like where I'm from, kids don't do that. They don't go, you know, I'm from Paris, but I'm not from, the Paris that y'all guys know with the FL Tower, the nice, you know what I'm saying? My Paris looked more like like Harlem on the on the on the wrong night, you know what I'm saying? On like Jamaican Nav and Queens, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the hood, gotcha. so it's the project. So I was just grateful and happy when I got there, you know what I'm saying? So what's your favorite memory from St. John's? That's easy. That's easy. It was a Sunday game, 12 o'clock. New York's team against New York's team. <laughs> Always nobody, good to beat Syracuse. Nobody in the world think we can beat them. Oh, no. Like, I'm like, you can tell Nick, before every game, I'm like, we going to beat me and Me and Longway, sometimes it was borderline disrespectful while we was talking about other things. <laughs> Get my guy gone. Nick going to tell we ain't going to, we ain't going to say I hear, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, whatever I needed to say to fire my guys up, you get it in. So at that time, it I, it just felt right. It was just feeling good. We were so prepared for that game and that practice, like whatever. When when Coach Mullen and, and, and Greg came up with the game plan, I'm like, if we do this, we do it like that. They ain't gonna be able to mess with us. So when the game started, it was just everything felt right. When we start hitting them threes, boom, boom, I'm start looking at them. They're kind of like second guessing, looking left and right. And Boham wasn't even on the sideline because I don't know if he got suspended or something. I forgot what it was. So it was assistant coach that was on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying, like, oh, yeah, that's even one more reason for them to catch that L. So it's going to be all on him. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm firing up my guys. And, you know, we came on top of it. That was that was a beautiful, that was a beautiful day. That was a beautiful day. Big 12-point win. You had 10 points in the game. I mean – I remember being there and that it was, it was just, I mean, it's always great to beat Syracuse, but like you said, like that team, like no one expected it. So just yeah, to be able no to upset them like that yeah. is just great. I was the glue guy, you know, like I was a guy that coach Mullen going to play me at the point. Then I'm at the three, then I'm at the four, I'm at the two, sometimes I'm at the five because my biggest strength was my IQ and the experience and knowing with my body. So, like, Coach Marley used to, like, against Syracuse, if you look, I start the game at the point. But then I'm at the four. I'm the one that's on the inside to crack that, like, to press the ball at the high post. And when I get the ball at the high post, I just had to turn it to Tom Brady because it was just dishing. Like, once the ball was in there, we had those two defenders that's on the, on the side, on the wing, they have to make a decision. Either they stay with me, and then, or they go. So if they go, I'm open. If they stay with me, I'm going to find some people on their corners or Federico. So I was like a, a Swiss knife. 
in saying, you know, some some nights I needed to score and that's what I was going to do. Some nights I needed to just try to stick, do a little bit of everything. So, you know, it, so was, you it, was, it, was, it was a fun game. That game was a fun game. All right. We want to thank Ron for coming on the podcast with us. We'll actually have a part two of that interview coming up next week. It was great to talk to Ron Mobig again. We actually, you, know, you guys don't see it, but we, we had the, we had the zoom going on. So we got to see, I got to see him. It was nice to see him after, you know, so long of not seeing him. It's great to, you know, just reminisce it's, it's a little bit, reminisce a little bit about the memories, you know, that talk about had. your years at St. John's together. Our year, the year, year, only one. He was, he was only a grad. So, and, and that was, was a tough year. It, and he was yeah. rocking in St. John's jersey. So he was. He came prepared. You, 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 I, you I appreciate it. You went right it. back into it. Right. I have that exact. He was I rocking his jersey. I love to see it. He's out in you know Germany right now uh, with his family. So so shout out to him. We really do appreciate him. All right, looking ahead to the week ahead. Sunday we take on number twenty four UConn at Madison Square Garden. Noon game on Fox before. Super Bowl Sunday, nothing to get you pumped Ooh. for the Super Bowl than a St. John's game at home. Game, honestly. UConn, I mean, always UConn yeah. comes in seven and four in the conference, sixteen and six overall. They're having a good game. Remember, we almost beat them, but we got screwed with a one point six second foul to lose the last game against them. We owe them this one. We do. UConn has lost two of the last three. They lost to Creighton at home and Nova on the road. They did beat number eighteen Marquette. 80 to 72, which was it was a good win for them. They'll play Xavier on Friday before playing us on Sunday. Uh, like I said, the last meeting against UConn, uh, UConn won 86 to 78 in overtime. Adam Sinogo led UConn with 25 points and 18 rebounds. He had a great game. RJ Cole also had a great game, 19 points and eight assists. Julian Champagny, though, led all scorers, had 27 points. Uh, including a shot with three seconds to go to give St. John's the lead, which would then be taken away by that foul call I mentioned moments ago. Uh, it, you know, that game was tough because that's a game that we, we kind of feel like we got robbed. It would be great. It would be absolutely great, mainly because, you know, our love for UConn is 0%, negative percent. Uh, and it, it would be great to get a victory against them in Madison Square Garden. Craig, what's your main key to this game? The main one of the main keys to this game is uh, we just got to stop RJ Cole from taking a charge every time he just you know gets hit by a feather or walks around. The guy, no matter what he does, as he falls to the ground, it's a charge. Uh, so we got to figure out how to stop that because he's going to continue to do it. I don't know how we do that, but um, we got to figure that out because if we don't, that's what happens to us at the end of the game. He, I think, he drew like legitimately five five charge calls in the game, which is outlandishly ridiculous. RJ Cole does lead UConn with 16 points a game and 4.5 assists per game. So he's a guy we're going to have to watch. He's a guy. I mean, he, watch out for. And, and, and he did. He killed us absolutely with the charges in, in that last matchup. All right, Tim, what's your main key to this game? My key to this game would be a combo of do we have Julian and Posh available? Yeah. And then we have to make Adam Sonogo a Sonogo. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's absolutely Classic. true. We got to shut him down. 14 blocks total for UConn. Absolutely. So Wusu needs to hit that floater. For sure. And for sure. make them look like fools. Having Julian back playing well is great if he's back. Having Posh, I mean, you know, without Posh, we're a different team. So we'll have to see what happens on Sunday. But you're absolutely right. I think those two will certainly be a key to this game, that matchup Sunday. Noon in Madison Square Garden on Fox. So, I have a line for this game. All right, we'll take it. Let's go. Dan Hurley hissy fits. 
Uh, 16. Can we, can we set the over under at 16? He's already hit the over. He's already hit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, He's already hit the, the, the limit does not exist. I was saying one and a half. <laughs> the limit does not the exist. Limit does not exist. Uh, so I mean, it d- depends what you define, right? Yeah. Like how, uh, what level are we talking about here? When he's throwing his body around, or (laughs) (laughs) when he finds out mother's been dead for a while. I mean, uh, listen, he starts freaking out from the minute the ball is tipped until the minute the ball finishes. So, I mean, he he was yelling at fans because he's got he's so thick skinned. He's so thick skinned. You know why? It's because he played at Seton Hall. That's why he's a punk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, but uh, I'm allowed to say that. I That's paid a lot of money to go there. That's a lum love. I paid a lot of money to go there. I can say whatever I get I want. The, I get to laugh. I'm going there right now. <laughs> um, no, I mean, listen, I, he's absolutely going to freak out because that's what he does, and that's his style. Uh, it, it's a pain in the ass, and it, it's annoying to watch. But my, I would say uh, he's certainly going to freak out more more than once. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he throws his jacket. And he'll be in Madison Square Garden, so he'll play it up a little bit extra. Yeah. You know? well, I mean, I mean, unless, unless they give tra- Cole five charge fouls again, then they probably, they yeah. probably yeah, won't. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I mean, they give the calls. Then, although we got the calls last time, and then he still... Was pissed off about everything. Yeah, he 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 did get so angry. He tried to yank his jack off, but he looked like a toddler, <laughs> he so stuck. he couldn't figure out how to get <laughs> his arms stuck. out. I mean, my daughter does better with her jackets. <laughs> All right, we'll have to see how Dan Hurley performs on Super Bowl Sunday noon on Fox. All right, looking ahead to the other game this week, Wednesday, February sixteenth, matchup against the number twenty-five Xavier at the Sinton Center in Cincinnati, six thirty on CBS Sports Network. Obviously, Xavier, the rank may change in between the time of this recording and the game. But Xavier comes in 6-6 six and six on the year, 16-7 and seven overall. They've lost their last two games, though. They lost to DePaul at home and to Seton Hall on the road. The, the DePaul loss, particularly for them, is, is not great. Uh, they do play UConn on Friday, so... The, <laughs> they play UConn on Friday, so we'll see how that, that plays out before our matchup. Uh, this is the first meeting of the season for us. We... we we play them again a second time later in March, so we haven't really seen them. Jack Nungy leads the team with 12.7 points and also averages seven rebounds a game. Paul Scruggs is the other key player, averaging 12 points and four assists per game. They're they're an experienced team. I mean, Scruggs and Nate Johnson are are kind of the leading pack of that team. They're both seniors. They, Scruggs is a super senior. Scruggs is a super senior. He's been there forever, seemingly. Well, him and Fremantle. Him and Fremantle. Uh, but you know their best win this season is against Ohio State, and that was early on during the Gavin tip off. But they've you know they're a team who didn't start out ranked, but they they've worked their way into it, just like Marquette and, and you know uh, some other Big East teams. They're a really good team, and and Xavier has consistently been a really good team since joining the Big East. They have. Vincent, I think more importantly, you need to talk about the Cintas Center and your experience there. Uh, my 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 grand uh, my grand entrance at the Cintas Center. So I, I your finest moment when I was in college. This was actually before work. I went out, uh, seen all when Xavier had just joined the league. We went out to to call the game at Xavier. It was the first opportunity uh, to call the game. So I go out, me and and my pal Chris Pezos, uh, and we go and. You know, we get there the night before, and we're having a good time. We get, you know, dinner in Cincinnati, and then we go out, and we find ourselves at a bar, a University of Cincinnati bar. And, you know, it's a, it's a Friday night, so we're, we're having a great time, and the University of Cincinnati kids are having a great time, and we're talking about how we're, you know, we're from Seton Hall, and we're, we're doing the Xavier game tomorrow, and they're like, yeah, you know, screw Xavier. You know, we're big Cincinnati fans. We don't, 
we don't get along so well. And we're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And we're, we're Stephen Hall kids. So let's, you know, we're rooting for Stephen Hall tomorrow, not Xavier. Well, um, you know, drinks were had. We were, we were both of age and uh, many drinks were had. And you know, a little different out there in Cincinnati. So, you know, we're in this dive bar and we're, we're playing darts. And I go to buy a drink and it's like $4 for a drink. And I'm, you know, all of a sudden, no, I got, you know, I got plenty of money to catch to spend with $4 a drink. So, you know, one thing leads to another, and, you know, originally it's, we go out, and it's like 9 o'clock at night, and, and next thing I know, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're we're at a, you know, frat house in the University of Cincinnati at a party, and, you know, we're going, how the hell did we get here? So, fast forward now, because unlike those University of Cincinnati kids who had nothing to do the next day, we had a game that we had to call on the radio for Seton Hall. I like that you Calvin just went to a frat house in the middle of that story there. I just want to put that. Oh, up. Sometimes it happens. Well, so we go, and uh, now we're, we're going to go call the game. But I feel like trash. And normally, you know, <laughs> I can I can drink with the best of them. Uh, but you know, I, listen, I had a little too much to handle, and it, I was young. I was probably, if I was twenty one, I was just twenty one. I spry. I think I was probably twenty. So <laughs> the bar was serving me illegally, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's we're past the uh, you know the, the statute limitations, limitation, so we're gonna do all right. Um, but anyway, so so now, you know, I wake up and I know I don't feel good, right? So I'm I'm throwing up and I I'm like, all right, whatever, I'm I'm gonna puff it out. I've done this before, I can do it again. Well, you know, we we got to the to the arena and now all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know if I can do this again. Uh, so I am I am every every 15 minutes I'm running to the garbage can because I just I can't do it. It's the national anthem now, so the game's game's gonna start. And and there I go, I run out again. I'm throwing it. I'm you know I'm just getting it all out. And now I come back in, and at this point, like you know, it's it, we we typically got there about two hours before the game. So this has been two hours now of me just constantly fifteen minutes running, running to the bathroom, running to the trash can. And I literally look at Chris, who who was doing the game with me, and I I pat him on the shoulder, and I go, Chris. You're gonna have to do this one alone, <laughs> and he's like, "What?" And I go, "I gotta go." And I go, and I go to the medic, who who happens to be walking the concourse, and I go, "Listen, uh, I gotta be honest with you. I need to go to like your first aid center here, uh, because like I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like I gotta, like my stomach. I'm, you know." So I go. They take me to the medic room. I get an IV in the Cintas Center. Uh, Chris Pezos, bless his soul, did the whole game by himself. Now I know my mom listens to every game. So I go. I, so the one I thing I did on that side, the one thing I did is like I'm literally in the medical center getting an IV. And and by the medical center, I mean it's literally like a door off the concourse. So like the guy is selling hot dogs literally next door. Uh, and, and like I could smell the hot dogs and I can see <laughs> the guy selling the hot dogs. So I'm getting an IV and I'm like, oh, salivate. I gotta text my mom. Like I gotta text my mom. So I text my mom I'm like, hey. I really wasn't feeling well. Now, mind you, I'm I'm underage, so I can't tell her like, "Hey, by the way, I got bombed last night." And I, I mean, <laughs> that's why you probably have alcohol. So I'm like, "All right," I'm like, you know, "Hey, uh, ma, I'm 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 gonna miss the game. I, I'm with the medic. I'm doing fine, but I I just I just don't feel well." You I, may believe that that's what happened, Vincent. I can tell you, having been at home when that happened, that's like not yeah. exactly how that played out because I remember. Well, that's how I lived it. Okay. Our, our, our sainted mother listened to every game visit on the radio, just like she listened to every podcast that we do. Thank you, mom. Um, but I come downstairs to Vincent on the radio. We always listen to Vincent on the radio. 
Mom's like, Vince is not on the call. What, what happened to Vince? <laughs> Instantly. He's like, Instantly. wait, what was, what's going on? What's going on? The funny part about that is I had been getting texts from Vincent all night the night before. Oh, telling him, here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I, so I knew exactly what was <laughs> happening. But Mom's like, what's going on? It was like, rough. I, I don't know. I don't it know. was rough. And <laughs> then, at, you know, Vincent did text eventually. And then we we figured out what so, happened. So I'm sitting in the Centaur Center. I got an IV. I fall asleep. I fall asleep right away, like almost immediately, because I hadn't slept the night before. So I, I fall asleep with the IV in, and I wake up, and it's like the middle of the second half. And the guy's like, hey, man, like, I just want, like, like you're fine, but, like, I just want to let you know, like, you went through, like, two IV bags of saline. Like, you probably should go to the hospital, like, after this. And I was like, I, like, I looked at the guy, and I was kind of like, wow, that's rough. I was like, it, uh... Like, what happens if I don't? And he was like, well, like, you'll probably be all right. But, like, you know, you, you really shouldn't be taking in that much in this short amount of time. Because, I mean, you think about it, it's, it was within the two hours I was doing that. Uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, I, I get so out. Spry. I get out. I go back. And the game's over at this point. So, I help Chris pack up. My, you know, poor guy. I, I had to rent, rent the car in my name. We drive home. I go immediately to bed. I'm like, hey, man. Hope you have a good night in Cincinnati and literally just crash. He went out in Cincinnati by himself and saw some stuff. But, uh, yeah, so me and the Synthos Center, uh, I, ha- I have been back since, and I did not require any medical attention last That's night. Good. That's good. That's uh, good. But uh, my first trip there was certainly a, certainly a, a doozy. Uh, so, but you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything different. To say <laughs> the God's honest truth. I, although I, you know, missing the game is not appropriate. I've, I've there's been, uh, you know, mom. Close your ears, but I've there's been many a game I've worked where uh, you know I'm hungover from the night before, and I'll just I, and having traveled around the world that around the country uh, doing games that is certainly there's been games where I was like man I really can't get through this, but I fought through. Uh, got to answer the bell. That you got to answer the bell. That game I, I just <laughs> was you know a little young and and, and kind of went a little too too much, so wasn't able to pull that one off. So Vincent, you're telling me this whole story is a lead up to. We need the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> so everyone in Cincinnati hey, is super hungover. Listen, still. if everyone gets alcohol poisoning on the Xavier team, which I would never want for them because it was a terrible <laughs> experience. Oh, Jesus. Oh, 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 wow, that took a turn. Well, well what I'm saying Yikes. is we, we almost guarantee victory because they can't play. Okay, like, like <laughs> having having had it in Cincinnati and, and been to that bar, I can promise you that if that happens to the Xavier team, we'll come with the win because they're just not going to be able to do it. That's not going to happen because they're going to be, you know, they're, they'll be in good shape. Um, but, you know, it, uh, St. John's is in the, the... Anyway, back to St. John's. Anyway, Sorry, that was a little side, side note we needed to say. More importantly. Back to St. John's. St. John's is now in the peculiar situation where if you're going to make the tournament, you got to get some wins under your belt. You and you got to get ball. some good wins under your belt. And we don't have that many. Now, we have a lot of opportunities to... Uh, but I think this Xavier one is one of them. I know it's a road win. It's going to be a quad one opportunity. UConn, you know, is also probably going to be a quad one opportunity. So, you know, you play these two games and then you got a Butler game. You, you're looking to go two out of three, even though that's a tough, tough push. You can go two out of three. You, you can get into a good scenario, uh, heading into the Big East tournament and hopefully gain some spots. All right, Tim. What's your main key to this Xavier matchup? Well, we have to shoot the free throws well. We have to rebound well. And kind of repeat of the last game, we need a healthy team. 
healthy team is important. I think I think both personally what we need to do is we need to not dig ourselves as big a hole as we have in, in other games. We did it against Villanova. We did it to a certain degree against UConn, and then we make this late push. Um, but the problem is we dug so deep of a hole that we can't get back out of it. So we, we got to, especially on the road, you, we just got to keep them close so that the run when the run comes, we can we can take the lead. I think one of the key points of the game is going to be the, the matchup between Jack Nunzi and Soriano. Soriano has been on, I mean, Soriano has been pretty solid throughout the year. He's, you know, especially recently, he's been much better. Um, but he did struggle against Nova, though. He did struggle against Nova, but... But prior to that, he was good, you're right. Right. And he's uh, still averaging 12 points a game and seven rebounds, so yeah. Again, to this point, he, he's doing good. That was my main point of this. But, you know, Nunji's a seven-footer, and he's not. He's he's 6'11". And that that's an inch means nothing generally but that 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 inch between six eleven and seven foot is a big inch so yeah that's my that's my matchup for the game i guess the thing to watch out for you know he average he's the most blocks on the team most points for the team you know he, he'll certainly be a guy to watch now xavier's team averages 12 turnovers a game which is pretty good for st john's we'll have to ride that number up a bit if we want to come away with the victory they only average 37 rebounds a game which i think is a number we may actually be able to exploit yeah. it's a very important game that we're gonna have to come away with the victory on, and we'll we'll see. We'll see if Posh Alexander's back. I mean, he, he missed the game against Villanova. We don't know what will happen against UConn, uh, and we'll have to see what happens against Xavier. Speaking of, speaking about Posh, shout out Posh for being named on the 2022 Naismith Defensive Player of the, the Year watch list. Uh, he's one of 15 people on the list, so shout out Posh. Yeah, good accolade for him, and uh, well-deserved. I let's mean, hope he, he's back. Yeah, let's hope he's back, and... Let's hope his defense is up to that hey, level. Hey, Julian, you're both on Naismith watch list. That's true. That's true. Sure. Let's hope they're both back because uh, we could certainly use them against UConn and Xavier. All right, that'll do it for the show this week. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Thanks for listening. Let's go, Johnnies. Keep chasing. <laughs>